Welcome to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Something for the Turbo. I hope you are all well wherever you are tuning in to listen in the world. In fact, thank you very much for tuning in to listen because we really appreciate your support. Thank you very much. During these crazy times, these podcasts, speaking to these brilliant people are certainly keeping me sane. I hope they are helping you pass the week. And if they are, please do subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your cycling friends, spread the word, post it on social media. Just do anything to help me grow this podcast. And I really appreciate anything you can do in helping me do that. Anyway, today I catch up with John Croom, who is an elite track cyclist from America. And we discuss his quite amazing journey from playing American football and competing as a heavyweight wrestler to becoming an elite track cyclist, a US record holder with multiple national titles and a Pan-American Games to his name. He's also got a brilliant podcast, the Coffee and Van Chats podcast, probably the second best (laughs) cycling podcast in the world, slightly biased of course. He works with some top sponsors and will be racing around the US in his van with good coffee and his contagious personality as soon as we are through the madness of this pandemic. Anyway, we discuss all his journey, his coaching and loads more. So without further ado, let me bring you John Cream. Hey, John, how you doing? You well? Ah, uh, hanging in there, man. Just uh, another day in Colorado. Yeah, what's what's the weather doing in Colorado this time of year? Uh, well, it, you know, sometimes it's really hard to make up its mind, but uh, right now it is it is sunny. We 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 get some warm weather. Uh, what probably like I'm trying to put it in Celsius, but I'm gonna put it in Fahrenheit because I'm just so ignorant and stupid. But uh, when it comes down to it, it's probably about like 77 uh, degrees, okay. and so it's it's super nice here, um, super enjoyable. But every once in a while, we get that random uh, snowstorm that'll peak and uh, make make for the worst of uh, of our uh, fall weather but uh, yeah it's nice man good man and how's your i mean we, we got loads to talk about today so it's almost hard to know where to start but how, how's this year been for you in terms of lockdown and and has it been pretty strict where you are has it been not too restrictive what's been going um, on oh man well it's uh it's been pretty wild like just trying to understand what's going on i mean i remember when i found out that uh what coronavirus was or at least that we were going to be locked down i i knew about it but uh when when i found out we were going to be locked down it was uh march 17th i was at mid-south gravel race in oklahoma which is about 10 hours from where i'm at and it was the only bike race that weekend that didn't get canceled and oh wow so it was this big this big ordeal sponsors were getting a lot of uh, backlash and uh people were getting a lot of backlash but we we, we just really like it was almost like we were in our own little world out yeah. in oklahoma like we were we were racing we were partying and it was just like this thing that was going on and then the president is coming on and pretty much saying that we need to go on lockdown and we were kind of given this hard choice because it was like the next morning we were racing um it was like do we cancel tell everybody to go home or what happens and we ended up racing it was a great time it was safe nothing nobody i don't think there was any cases that came out of that event yeah but yeah it's been hectic man it's been a year of just straight up and down which i'm sure everybody in the world yeah and everyone's got their challenges right yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but for you, from a race perspective, I mean, was that the last event you did, or have you had much more sort of crop up? What and what happened on the track side? Is that put everything to to a hold? Oh man, well, like I mean, this could be like a super long story. I mean, this like goes all the way back pre coronavirus. I mean, honestly, for me, so when I was in uh, at, on the World Cup scene for uh, qualifying for 2020, back yeah. in I guess October, like yeah, this time last year, I did Glasgow and uh, we did what Belarus, and so. 
we pretty much found out we didn't qualify for the Olympics. And that was oh, yeah, of course. like going to be the last time I touched my track bike is pretty much what happened for the year at least. And then I got a phone call about going and doing some of the Tasmanian carnivals and racing Madison out in Australia. And I was like, oh, this would be epic. Yeah. And so, but in that time, I don't know how health insurance is over across the water, but it's uh, it's real shit here in America. And I don't know yeah, if I can cover this podcast. I hope that's okay. No, that's fine. That's good. We're okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so... uh it, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit grim in the sense that uh, I lost my health insurance pretty much that month of December, and they were like, "Yeah, we can't give you any health insurance until January first. Like, you have to wait until the new year." And I had, I had six races, and you know, it's that classic, like, "Oh, I'll be fine, I'll be fine." Well, I broke my collarbone in the first race of that year. And yeah, man, like my whole world around me, pretty much, I thought was going to come crashing down. Like, I thought it was going to be game over. I thought, you know, I was going to have to get a real, real job. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was time that I just kind of hung up the bike, man. I mean, the bike really wasn't giving me anything back. And I felt like I put so much into it, sacrificed so much, you know, with friends, family and, and, and life in general. And to have that happen just so quick, it was just almost overnight. And my wife pretty much was like, you know what? Like, I know this is probably a bad time, but I need a new car. And uh, I think you should buy a van. So I bought a van and one thing led to another. And I started this whole brand podcast thing to pretty much keep the dream alive and keep it it rolling. So that's like, that's why it goes all the way back there, you know? Oh, wicked. Okay, cool. We'll come on to the podcast in due course. Yeah. Um, But just as a quick shout out for anyone that hasn't found it yet, uh, Coffee and Van Chats is a brilliant podcast. I came across it when I was doing a bit of research before I spoke to Dan Bingham a a couple of months ago. And I've I've gone through loads of them. Some really, I really like the style, just very informal chats with with cycling personalities from all over, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, pretty much anyone and everyone. uh, Hopefully we'll get some guys from the industry too. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, let's let's go back a little bit because actually you've yeah, got yeah. quite an interesting journey into cycling per se. And I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but like there's a bit of in- inspiration for, for us bigger boned athletes as well <laughs> in, terms yeah. of, in terms of where your background and where you come from. Because you started quite late, right? So talk us through your journey into cycling. Yeah, yeah. I did start quite late. I started around 18. I was 305 pounds, which is, I guess, a hefty was at 140 kilos, 135. I was a, I was a hefty man. Um, yeah. Played, I played football here in the States. Uh, I was a heavyweight wrestler as well. And yeah, I worked at a bike shop. I, I rode a fixed gear around town just to get from point A to point B. And I worked at a, uh, when I was working at that bike shop, they were building a velodrome. And uh, at this point, I was like, man, I heard they're going to do some racing. I'm going to jump in. And I pretty much had one of our loyal customers, friends, was just like, dude, you were too fat for that. Like, there's no chance, man. Like, and I was like, what? What are you talking yeah, about? It is. Yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I can, I can do it. And uh, he's like, no, dude, trust me, man. Like, it's not as easy as you think. And sure enough, it's not as easy as you think, if you're wondering. Yeah. I, uh, I did jump in and I gave it a crack and uh, I lost weight over time. And really, one thing led to another. Yeah. And before I know it, like three or four years later, I'm 100 pounds lighter. I'm still hefty, you know, hefty 205. So what, 90 kgs. Yeah. Oh, I wish it was 90 kg. It's like 90, no, okay. it's like 93, uh, yeah, 90, okay. I sit between like 93, 95. And, and yeah, so I, uh, yeah, yeah, one thing led to another. And before you know it, I'm out in Colorado Springs training in 2017 
to start this new men team pursuit program, which is pretty much the U.S. hasn't had since like what 2000. So that was 2017. That's when that's when in the U.S. they kind of went away from the traditional track route and looked for athletes from different backgrounds. Is that right? Uh, kind of, sorta. I mean, really, like we. The the thing is with with the U.S. is like the they've always kind of been on. They've never really like seeked out people for potential. They've just like they've already had the talent and then they move on. Like that's who they work with. Right, um, okay. And I mean, they do develop riders, but they develop them young. So, and, and they usually develop them on the road. Like we've never, like the cool thing about, I think about the UK and Australia and a lot of those programs is like a lot of those kids are like forced to start on the track. Uh, yeah. Partially because yeah. they're parents and, and that's the way their programs work too. And then they end up in the world tour. But like for us, it's kind of the opposite. Like you had guys who were retiring from the road and coming into the track and giving the track a try because the road might not have worked out for them. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So over here, it's a bit more of a developmental. For sure. You come through it that way around. Yeah. For sure, yeah. 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 But cool. yeah, so that's, that's kind of where, that's kind of where I started. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another and essentially and it all happened so fast. Um, but I was given goals every year and I, I know they do that with a lot of national governing bodies. It's like, you know, if you can't do this, then we got to move on. And so I was given a goal every year and I achieved that goal every year. And yeah. Hang on, let's go back to 2017 when you started though, because yeah. I mean, they, I know you're a pretty modest guy, but they, they must've seen something there in terms of some like, <laughs> talent wise. You don't just rock up and they yeah, say, okay. yeah, yeah, that's, it's, it's true. So like I, I did lose a lot of weight over that time. I started I started racing and, and the U.S. has never really had fast pursuiters or really uh, kilo guys. We did. They were sprinters, though. Okay. And and so I I was subpar at some of the mass start stuff. Like I uh, I just still didn't figure out the the side of uh, mass start racing. Like I could yeah. never figure it out. I was never the cutthroat guy that would just put my wheel in a place that wasn't supposed to go yeah yeah yeah. i never i never understood that but i would get that cutthroat tenacity in like a 4k you know what i mean like i would be the guy that'd be like yeah i'm not even gonna ride to a schedule i'm just gonna go and see what happens and and that's just the kind of guy i was and then andy sparks i guess was the uh the national team coach at the time who coached the women on to their olympic silver medal and a few world championships and he reached out to me actually after i went to a uci race in Milton, Canada. And, uh, I think I got like either fifth or sixth in the UCI, uh, pursuit. And to him that like stood out to be like, Hey man, like, it's not the best, like, it's not something you should settle on. Like, it's not something you should even be excited about, but it is something you can build off of because yeah. of how new you are. There's so much talent there that we can grow. That's something we can and develop got to that point pretty quickly. Right. So yeah. yeah. And, and, and then when I got brought in in 2017, it was pretty much like, "Hey, you need to ride. You need to ride a 105 kilo at nationals." And LA is a pretty slow track. And they were like, "But not only do you need to ride that, you need to win it. You need to win nationals." And so I did. I rode a 104, and I won nationals. And uh, and that's was my first national title. And so, yeah. and so obviously, I think I read somewhere you mentioned that you're you're very competitive and you have to be super driven to get that. But how? I mean, at this at this point, you're still pretty young, right? So you you you're trying to you're learning the ropes in terms of track cycling. But from a nutrition side of things, how did you take on that weight loss? Were you learning as you went along? What what sort of formula worked for you? And talk us through that bit. Yeah, I I had many different things, man. I mean, honestly, like from 
from books, from all the way to just people and resources. But really one thing that worked for me was uh, like counting my macros, I guess. And I went like this whole, like uh, CrossFit's really popular here in the States. And there's this, uh, there's this company called RP Strength. And I, I reached out to this guy who is a bobsledder, but also was like interested in track cycling and interested in power and interested in sprinting. And he pretty much like when it came to kilojoules, when it came to energy expended, it was just like, this is how many carbs you should eat. This is how many fats you should eat. And this is how much proteins you should eat. And I just did it. And it was a lot of food. Like I had to eat a lot. Like I almost really? got scared. Yeah, I got really scared that I was like, dude, I'm going to like blow up like a balloon. And he was like, no, no, no. Like you need to eat to recover. You need to eat to help, you know, to help that process go through. And it was like, it was really a matter of knowing when to eat. So like timing and how yeah. much to eat at that time. Um, yeah. Essentially just enough to fuel whatever I was working out, but I was always eating. I was always snacking. And, and that was what actually helped me lose weight. And so there's this article that bicycling magazine did that was like, I ate more to lose weight. And the comments in it are great because you just have people who's like, Oh man, like, yeah, eat more, lose weight. Like that's not really a calorie deficit, but it was just like, I was eating more efficiently, I guess is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, the right stuff, the right yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, The right stuff in the right time. And is that because your focus was track and more sort of power and also work for your physiology or do you think that's a, a good recipe for for everyone or what are your views on that um yeah i think everybody's different i think everybody's bodies are different but i mean if you look at some of the some of the smallest like i've seen some of the smallest climbers and and i won't mention any of their names because some of these guys will will give me a hard time but uh like some of those guys will put down food i mean they understand yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. have to fuel the system to put out power. I mean, it's not, but it's, it, it, it's not as easy as, as just, you know, not eating and then riding. And, and you hear all these horror stories in cycling and which is kind of what I found myself into early on was not eating. Um, yeah. And then, well, that's kind of why I asked, right? Because I, th I think within the amateur ranks, particularly, there's always yeah. this kind of aspiration of being leaner or, you know, you're always on the, on a journey. Right. And I think, yeah, I think you, a lot of people probably don't fuel properly or don't eat enough or, or get in. And, and obviously sometimes probably get, gets quite, it can, well, can be quite dangerous, very dangerous. Very. Yeah. And it, I mean, well, and that's the thing, like uh, one of the best, one of the best quotes I've ever heard is like, you know, you're never overtrained. You're just always, you're always under recovered, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I love that because it's so true. Like, I mean, I can, you know, I can do anywhere from 25 to 35 hour weeks as long as I'm fueling, sleeping and, and, you know, I don't have too much work going on. Like I can do that. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can bang those weeks out. Like it's nothing. It's just like us going to work. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, no, we'll, we'll put, we'll put your Strava link in, in the show notes. If anyone wants to follow you on Strava, yeah, yeah. You do, some, you do some good hours out there in the battle. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you have to, you, you know, yeah. you have to, you have to put in that time. You have to put in that, that training, but you also, you have like the training is only as good as your recovery in my opinion. Yeah. And, yeah. And finding that balance. That's why, that's why there's so many guys out there that, that don't, that quote unquote, don't train a lot or don't train as much as their competitors. But I feel like they're recovering way more than their competitors. So they come out way hotter. And yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think people are realizing that. I mean, I think for the oldest time, it was the kind of misconception that the the the, the, the two key bullets were your training and nutrition. And, and and now people are starting to cotton on to the fact that actually, you know, your sleep quality and your stress management and your recovery are, are if you don't have those ducks in a row, then it doesn't matter how much how well you eat or how much training you do, it's not going to really make the impact you want. Yeah, and I I think it's I think a lot of people get too caught up in like. They get too caught up in the little intricacies of the uh, the cycling side of things and not worrying about the other intricacies of off the bike things, whether that's core or even even fueling. I mean, so it's there's so many things that you can kind of dive into on that front and that honestly, that's what made me faster. Like because, yeah, I was training a lot. But once I started to dial that stuff in, that's what made me the difference of being a national level athlete to a potential you know war, you know international level athlete international athlete yeah 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 yeah. that's that, that's it's super interesting I've, I've always wondered that uh i mean as a pro do you, i've always wondered if pros sort of look at look at kind of weekend warriors and amateurs and just think oh man if if, if only you guys you know trained a bit smarter and it makes make such a difference do you ever think that when you're out on the road 100 percent. that's why 98 percent of us are coaches in our off time yeah of course. <laughs> like, yeah 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 because yeah, yeah. Like, you're Get the extra buck and just saying like, Hey man, like, you know, eat right. You know, don't have a beer after every, you know, mountain bike ride you do. Like, you know, it's just like little things of, of breaking up that monotony and, uh, uh breaking up that thought process. Uh, yeah, I see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And actually going, just referencing, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's your latest one. I think it might be your latest podcast that you did with, with Mandy Yeah, yeah. Um, and how she talks she, type one diabetes that she has. Right. Yeah, yeah, she's typed on diabetic. So, such a fascinating conversation. I'll put that in the show notes as well, just with regards to that additional element that you have to consider as an elite athlete, right? Mind blowing. Oh, it's unreal. Like the fact, and that was the one of the questions I had for her was just like, did you choose sprinting because of you know like the glycotic process of just essentially like when you when you deplete that system or like how does that work and like yeah. does, that, does that thought go into process and. And I don't, and like I said, I don't know if it's like the American healthcare system or what it is, but, um, but like nine times out of 10, if we're sick or if we're injured, it's like, oh, you'll never ride a bike again, or you shouldn't ride a bike or, and it's the scariest thing because like the bike could have saved her life probably, you know? And, and yeah, it's just like, I mean, there was a time where I was so overweight that I had, they were managing my exercising. They were telling me that, uh. Yeah, like no more than an hour. I'm gonna blow my knees out, or no more than this. I'm gonna do that, you know. And it it was insane. And like, I think that's the scariest thing about some of our sports and some of sports is like, you know, we're forced to be so overweight that it's not even healthy. And it's kind of this same other end of the spectrum of you know, so underweight, right? Yeah, on the other way around. Yeah, but but going back to your your point there that that you mentioned that I think that from a medical perspective, I think the option often the advice is don't do this or treat it with drugs and stuff like this where actually and you you look at what's going on with coronavirus at the moment like people just got out and and exercise more and look after themselves that would make a tremendous difference for them as as individuals in terms of their general health right but there hasn't really been that much focus i don't feel globally on like the benefits of just exercise getting out on your bike and getting healthy and fitter well unfortunately i think it just depends on who you want to listen to Right. Yeah. You know, maybe. Yeah. And, and it's, it's sad. I mean, there's some scary things going over, going on over here at the States. It's just like, 
with I've never seen a country so divided. Um, I mean, it's like all of our states are their own separate country, really. I mean, we yeah. all make our own decision. Um, I live in Colorado, but if I go down to Utah, like they have a whole different mask law, you know, and if I go over to California, they have a whole different mask law. Um, so like everybody has these different procedures and different precautions of what's going on. And so, yeah, I think it, it all boils back to what you want to believe and what you kind of where you're from, you know, um, what you want to understand and what you want to respect when in reality, we we all agree that this sickness is a thing. Uh, we all agree that it's killing people. We just can't all agree on how to stop killing people. <laughs> and so yeah. it's kind of scary. Yeah. Divided times for sure. For sure. Let's get back onto the cycling stuff. Like that's far more <laughs> that's uh, the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Easier topic. Hopefully you didn't lose too many listeners in that process. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, let's avoid politics. But um, <laughs> what, what, um, so t- tell it, talk us through your sort of where where you're at now with stuff and the plans. You mentioned sort of yeah. 2024, and what, what what are your sort of goals and ambitions and plans in, over the next couple of years? No, yeah, I uh, my goals really right now is uh, I, my big main one is to have have fun, man, um, and I, I like winning. Um, and that's fun for me. So when I say that, that's not like I'm softening up in any way, training harder than I have ever trained before, uh, mixing things up, working with a new coach, Rob Stanley out of the UK actually. And, and, and yeah, I, uh, my goals really are to kind of do events that, you know, people didn't think I could ever do while also still chasing the, the 2024 Olympic games. I have some ambitions to kind of dabble into some time trials. I've been doing some here locally recently and possibly racing the, uh, the U S national time trial. Haven't, haven't really made any final thoughts on that besides the fact of racing a few local ones here during the coronavirus. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Is Ghana an inspiration? Ghana is an inspiration. I, uh, I, I actually raced against Ghana in, uh, 2016, yeah. Um, and I don't know, I think he was a world champion at this point. It was the first time he was an ever a world champion, ever a world champion uh, in the pursuit at, at Viranzola, the sixth day. And yeah, I've always had the the utmost respect for that guy. Like that guy is unreal. It, it, it's unbelievable. And uh, so to see kind of where he's come from, from even just 2016 to now is 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 insane. So yeah, I, I have, I have some ambitions, um, on the timed event side of things, pretty much road and track. Yeah. And, and on the aerodynamic side of things, that's something that you, you're, you're pretty interested in as well. Yeah. I love it. I don't think I'm yeah. as smart as Dan. Um, no. I, uh, I, or even Ashton, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm a big, I, I love, I love hearing about it, I guess is more of the thing. Yeah. It's like, I'll let those two talk by the water cooler and I'll just sit there and eavesdrop. I think it's a very fascinating topic, especially being a bigger dude um, and and already having uh, kind of a shit CDA from the get-go, just being a big circle. Um, so it, it, it's it's always interesting about how, how, how tight we can ball this body up and yet still produce power. Yeah, a lot of it, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. And and in terms of other races that obviously you mentioned uh, Oklahoma and gravel, you, you get involved in other things as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, like I said, I, I'm trying to dabble in some events that you know I never thought I could dabble in or get involved in. And, and I tried the the traditional American road scene, which is pretty much just criteriums. I mean, it's hour long criteriums. And uh, like I said, I'm not the I'm not the kind of guy that just kind of throws his wheel into a place that it shouldn't be, or I'm not the kind of guy that has been pushing people off wheels and bumping and barging and whatever else. Like I just, I, I can't do that from the weekend to weekend. Like I just don't get caught up into it. And I think, 
I think the gravel is really good because you can still put down the power. You can still, you're still forced to ride really, really hard. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's almost like a time trial in some regard. Like it's, uh, it's like riding in breakaways and, and, and riding in a time trial and, 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 and it's just different. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's a community that I can't even really explain. I mean, I did, uh, did mid South gravel, which was my first ever gravel race. And it was nice going to an event where, you know, not everybody, like I, I just, it cracks me up when you go to an event and you see somebody in the parking lot and there's no wave, there's no like, Hey, how are you doing? But you make this eye contact, like, okay, we see each other. We're racing against each other. I'm going to look like a hard ass and not, and not like You're talking about the crit scene now, right? Yeah. yeah just scene. like, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Course, sorry. Like yeah, yeah. Scene, time trial scene, road scene, anything like that. But in gravel, I had like people introducing themselves, asking me what I'm riding, yeah, telling yeah, yeah. me what they're riding. You know, we're all having a beer the night before. Like it's yeah. just good fun. And then they ride so hard. Like it's yeah. one of the hardest races I've ever done in my life. Um, yeah. And it, it's good fun. And so, yeah, one of the events I'm taking place in next year is uh, Lead Boat, which okay. is uh, Leadville. And yeah. uh, bike. Yeah. And then I'll do the next day, I'll do Steamboat Gravel, which is 144 mile gravel race. Yeah. Awesome. So. That sounds, that sounds wicked. I mean, I had, um, do you know Ryan Stairs? Uh, you know Ryan? No, I don't. He's like, uh, America. He's over in LA. He's, uh, from Malibu. He's, uh, mountain he's a gravel and mountain biker yeah yeah but i just for someone that's not in the u.s just the sound of the the gravel scene and the events that you have over there just seem next level in terms of the the options and just the whole package the whole experience sounds absolutely incredible yeah no it's it's good fun i mean i mean yeah like i said it's just like one big party and and uh yeah everybody everybody rides hard everybody rides hard and they they have a blast yeah yeah. Dirty Kanza done it or to do? Um, yeah, that's actually a funny one, man. I, uh, I applied for it. I got denied. I then won a contest for an entry yeah. and then the coronavirus happened and they actually took the entry away. Oh no. So, yeah. I, uh, as of right now, no plans of doing DK. Uh, I'd be interested in it, but, uh, yeah, like at this point I'm just so exhausted with trying to get into the dumb event. It's just like, fun. yeah. Yeah, is it being rescheduled? When is it? Uh, just next year. I mean, so like as far as like it, they just postponed it to the next year. So yeah, yeah. So cool. And 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 any sign of any track events coming up? Uh, as of right now, like I, it's really a question mark. I mean, the U.S. definitely needs to make sure that they're focused on the women and the men's mass start program for the Olympic Games. So and and that's kind of how we work, right? So like the U.S. kind of works in cycles in the sense of like Olympic hopefuls. And so, but with the whole coronavirus thing, like we might have to, we might need to go to Worlds in 2021, like in October, because if we don't go to Worlds and start cracking out 355s in, in October, then we're not, we're not, there's no chance that we're going to make it to 2024. Like we're going to be another year behind. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, hang on, are the are the world scheduled for next October? Oh yeah, yeah. It goes to Nations Cup now. So I don't know if everybody knows. Yeah, that. I know I knew that move, but no, but given that the isn't when's the Olympics being rescheduled till? Uh the yeah, so the Olympics will be in August. So I'm pretty oh, sure that, I thought it was September. So I thought that would have been crazy to have them month, you know, between. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like July, August time frame for the Olympic Games. And so 
And and so right after that will be Worlds. But I want to say that there's a Nations Cup in September. Quite possibly. Yeah. So there's a Nations Cup, I think, April, May, and then September. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Well, that sounds like a hectic hectic uh, autumn next year. I don't know what, when anything's happening anymore, given <laughs> given the way the world yeah. is. I just I seem to wake up every day and there seems to be another awesome race to watch or something For somewhere sure. at the moment in, here in Europe. Do you, I mean, do you get to, to follow and watch a lot of the European racing over there? Uh, yeah, a good bit. It's, it's, it's one of those things that like, it's really hard for us to get because like NBC sports buys all the rights to all the cycling events. And, right, okay. and then after that, like we, I'm stuck to trying to find a VPN or trying to find some way to get on it on YouTube or whatever else. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I lived in Asia for, for a while, so it was always VPN and Eurosport, but could always get a bit stressful with with internet connections and the like. Oh, but, yeah, um, yeah. So, so why don't we go, tell us a little bit more about the, the van and the podcast and your journey there and, and what the plan is and when when did you kick that off and how's it been going and what's the reception been like? Yeah, so like I said, when when I broke my collarbone, it was uh, it was one of those things where it was like I need to figure out what I'm going to do. Like I can't be I can't keep doing this and you know sponsors. I literally I emailed sponsors, you know, because I had lost my my domestic team here after we found out, you know, we weren't going to the Olympics and, uh, I kind of didn't have a spot. And so, um, and it was, I think it was more to do with funding and it had nothing to do with the fact of, you know, that I didn't make it to the games or anything. It was just like, Hey, we don't have the, the finances to make it happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, uh, had no money, had no team, had no sponsors, and I was emailing all these people and just pitching this idea for 2024. And it's really hard to pitch that idea for yeah. sponsors is like, hey, I want I want to work with a brand for four years <laughs> or three years. And, and yeah, it's just really hard to pitch that. And they were all saying no or just not responding. And then after this, I'm, you know, I break my collarbone, whatever else. And we go out, we buy this van and I start emailing these van companies and they all respond. They're all on board. There's like, there's eight of them. They were like, yeah, we'll do it. And so I literally, I've never been in this position, but I literally had to go pick. So no I, way. yeah, I visited them all and I went and uh, I met Contravans out of Denver and yeah. yeah, he was all on board and he loved the idea. And the whole idea was, is that we were going to do these vlogs and these YouTube videos out of uh, the, all these races out of the van. And it was going to be like, game. yeah. And he was like, this is awesome. And I think for him, well, where, where it really worked out for him is it was like, hey, I need a, you know, this way I don't have to buy another van, but I need a van for like some show pieces. And I was like, dude, you can use mine. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's what we'll do. And so, uh, it, yeah. And so it worked out and um, he, you know, we built out the van and whatever else. And then I did my first video at Mid-South and then boom, coronavirus. And uh, before None of the sponsors, and I want to make this very clear, none of my sponsors ever said, hey, we need something from you. Hey, we're not going to support you next year. But I started to panic. I started to be like, oh man, like I'm going to find myself in that situation here in October if I don't figure out some sort of content, something to do to keep these brands interested in me. Yeah, um, yeah. And so my wife was just like, well, and see, this is where the wife comes in to play again. Like she saves the day again. She goes, the voice of reason. Yeah. The voice of reason. She goes, well, you should start a podcast. Yeah. And I was like, who would want to be on my podcast? She was like, I don't know. Just message some people. So I literally messaged like 30 people, like people yeah. I didn't know, athletes I didn't know. I was just like, hey, like this is what I'm doing. Would you be interested? And they all said yes. And at this point, I, I started to panic again. 
because I was like, oh crap, now I got to schedule 30 podcasts with 30 people. And I don't know how to do a podcast, but I don't want to lose them too, right? So at the I beginning- I do think it's, 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 doing a podcast is pretty hard work, right? It takes, yes. it takes uh, a lot of editing, a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. It's not easy at all, man. And, and so like I, and we were doing the video, I was doing the videos too. And so at this point, I'm, I'm releasing like two a week at this point and I'm recording three sometimes four a week. And so it was getting, it was getting pretty hectic, but finally I've gotten to a point where it's kind of mellowed out. And yeah, I I mean, when I started this whole vlog thing, it was so slow. Like the YouTube thing is so slow. Uh, just trying to get people to see your videos. Um, but the podcast is not like seems to, you know, after, after I did the damn Bigham episode, that's when we started to really get traction overseas, which was yeah. yeah yeah it's cool i think you have a good style you have a good you get a good approach to it and you've had some fantastic guests on there so if anyone's listening that enjoys this podcast and, and wants to go and check it out where can they find it on all, all podcast yeah. platforms right yeah all platforms uh we're on youtube too so there's a there's a video version which is always fun you can probably catch a guest picking their nose or something yeah they forget we're on video sometimes so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't do the video one. Maybe I've got a face for radio. I think that's probably why. But yeah, that's uh, all good, man. <laughs> um, and and obviously you're doing some coaching as well. I think yeah. uh, I've had a number, of, a number of coaches and and coaching platforms on here. And I've said many times before, I'm a big believer that you know that there's no you know there, there's a different coaching approach for everyone out there. Yeah. It's not you know everyone has a t- talk us through your philosophy as a coach where your strengths are and, and what kind of athletes you work with yeah yeah so i i, I, I kind of work with a little bit of everybody you know i have all the way from your elite to just your local joe who wants to go out and do a grand fondo but yeah i mean my main philosophy is really is really just communication i feel like communication is going to be the key to key to the majority of our success and and i i really i really value that that side of the coaching process and because that's where because i feel like i feel like trust is another thing that really comes into coaching because you could be the best coach in the world i mean you build you could be filippo gana's coach and if i don't trust you or trust what we're doing nothing's going to happen you know yeah yeah. we're not going to see any gains we're not going to see any anything come to come to fruition so I always do a consultation before any athlete that I work with. And the reason for that is, is just to make sure that, you know, we both see fit, uh, we both see eye to eye. And then we also, yeah, I also test communication. And so all the athletes I work with, you're kind of in a trial period for the first four weeks. Cause it's like, for me, it's, it's, it's not really, I don't like using the word waste of my time, but it, it becomes a waste of mine in their time in the sense if, if we're not communicating with one another on how to get better or just understanding the workouts, I think that's the biggest thing is I would rather them ask me stupid questions, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. air quotes around that stupid questions yeah. um, all day before doing workouts wrong for six weeks because you create yeah. habits. Right. And so that's, that's my value and my philosophy into coaching is, is communication and trust. And understanding so yeah good and, and what else is going on in your world man really just trying to figure out what i'm going to do next year i mean as far as like with sponsors and nailing some stuff in i uh i picked up a new sponsor it was boyd wheels which is like one of the first like three to four year contracts that i've worked out which is awesome because we're designing so sorry give them a shout out boyd wheels yeah boyd boyd cycling wheels yeah, yeah. and uh, I've, had a, I've had a pair of those and i enjoyed them immensely actually. yeah yeah so, oh, that's awesome yeah so 
they they essentially we we've kind of worked out a deal for the next three years where in hopes that i can ride their wheels at the olympic games and and yeah and so it's it's uh it's a pretty cool partnership because i feel like a lot of athletes and this is this is for the younger athletes that are listening to this podcast it's uh who who probably are like me who aren't the best athlete in the world but want to work with sponsors you got to make sure that you're you're bringing some value to that sponsor in some way, shape, or form, right? So, like, if Filippo Ghana is on a wheel, set of wheels and winning the world championships, he probably doesn't have to post much. He probably doesn't have to be that creative with his content because his yeah. content will, will work itself out. Whereas yeah, for yeah. a guy like me, you know, content is everything. And and, and so we've kind of worked these deals out where we're, we're doing some pretty cool content ideas and we have some ideas for maybe the Colorado Trail, doing it in one foul swoop and, and doing, yeah, and doing... uh doing white rim again with some guests and, and yeah. some other, other people. But yeah, man, I mean, as far as what's going on in my world right now, I'm just enjoying it as much as I can and, and trying to make sure that, you know, I'm keeping the brands that I'm working with super stoked on it as well as me being still super stoked on it and uh, enjoying it. And like I said before, I think we jumped on. It's like, I don't get to mountain bike much. So when I, when I do get the opportunity, that's what I want to go do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, tell, tell us, tell us a little bit more about some of the other partners you're you're working with, some of the other sponsors. You obviously, you mentioned Boyd Wheels there. Who else have you been working with? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, work with Jackaroo Clothing. Um, been working with them for a few years, and then Velo Flyer Bicycles out of Portland, Oregon. We've been working together for quite some time, and I mean, it's in the chats, but uh, Stages Cycling is coming on board, which oh, cool. is, is pretty exciting. They're making a, uh, or they make a uh, like a kind of like a watt bike system uh indoor stationary bike and yeah i think that will be a cool process for us track cyclists is uh having an indoor bike other than watt bike to kind of utilize indoors um yeah, yeah. the erg training and then yeah i also work with uh, 100 sunglasses you've got some pretty cool sponsors you've done well yeah yeah and it's dude it's the van I got to thank Contravans for it. See, and that's the thing, man. I always forget to mention them. You know, I got to thank them because it's like, I mean, once I, once I brought that idea on to these people, like these are the same people and, and they would probably be the first to tell you some of these are the same people that I messaged before I had the van with before i had the content yeah. ideas yeah, yeah yeah well the van the, the, the van culture in the u.s is quite big right it, i don't know it's i suppose it's pretty big in europe as well but th- these vans are kind of next level aren't they from what i've i've ever seen before they're, they're they're pretty awesome oh yeah and i mean they're they're kind of popping up they're kind of popping up everywhere now like it, it seems to be like a moving hotel how would you describe it because that my description is pretty shit <laughs> so talk us through your van give us a little bit of an oh idea. yeah my van so i actually have like a small like i have like a transit van so i guess for like in the uk it'd be like a mailing truck almost like it's not one of the big vans but it, it's a small van but it packs a lot i mean we have a shower in it i have a refrigerator in it i have a double bed in it so two people could sleep in it it would take up the entire back but you pull the bed out and two people could sleep in it uh it's insulated it has a fan and um yeah that's that's pretty much it i carry a stove with it you know and i mean everybody's kind of got their own cool niches but when we went into designing the van like the cool thing about contravans and kind of where i came on the decision with them too was is that they gave me full creative decision like they were like, what do you want? And the other companies were kind of like, they already had these templates. They already had these ideas. But with with Contravans, they had this, this plan of like, oh, yeah, yeah. What, what do you want in the van? And I was like, 
well, I would love a bed, but I also want it to be a couch in the, like when it's up. So like when we push it up because the reason for this is because I wanted to create community races. My whole plan for this van was that anybody and everybody could come up, hang out, chill in the van, have a cup of coffee and, and have a, you know, just hang out. And obviously that's not inducive to the current pandemic that we're in, but, but that was the idea. idea. That was the idea and the idea because it's, Going to a bike race for your first time is one of the scariest things. Um, it is, right? It, it shouldn't is, be. And it shouldn't be. And It and shouldn't it, be because everyone's done it for the first time once, right? For sure. And we've all been scared for the first time once, you know, yeah. or even twice. And I want to open, open up my doors and welcome anybody in to ask questions and to learn. Because if if somebody didn't welcome me in, then I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And so, yeah, that, that was kind of my thought process behind the van and, and thought process behind that. And then it gives the opportunities for sponsors, like whether that's Amp Human, Shammy Butter, the coffee sponsor, Switchback, we, you know, they, they could essentially give out product from the van. Yeah. Yeah. But it gets them to the races, right? Exactly that. Yeah. 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 It's a cool idea, man. And, um, yeah, I wish, well, I wish you all all the best for that. Absolutely. And, and just, with regards to the podcast, and let's hope this pandemic, we get through the other side and you can get out on the van and, and start your journey with that. But who have you got coming up on the podcast over the next few weeks? Yeah. So, so we have uh, Tinker Juarez coming on next yep. week, which is, uh, yep. if you guys don't know him, he's a mountain bike legend and out of the US, BMX guy. Uh, and he's 59 years old and still racing. Dude's wild. He's insane. Cool. Yeah, he is insane. Cool. And and then uh, Ted King, uh, oh, cool. is coming on the podcast. Yeah, so that that that'll be a good one. Yeah, we we got. I got a lot of cool guests. I'm, I hope Lawrence Tindam will listen to this because we've been going back and forth, and we just can't seem to get our schedules right. So <laughs> one of these days we'll get our schedules right, and Lawrence. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I would love it if he's listening to this, and if yeah. he is. Then we'll get- <laughs> God, okay <laughs> yeah, yeah so so yeah I'm, I've been, we've been we've been in the chats and trying to get him on and uh yeah he's a busy guy in time zones and all that great stuff but yeah so those are those are a few of the guests that are coming on and then uh uh we'll also have amity rockwell who's a dk winner i think last year so yeah oh wicked yeah well look, if you've got any questions for any of those guests do drop john a line and if you are listening and would be keen to join John on the podcast. Drop him a line as well. And, do it. Well, obviously, a good story to tell. Oh, <laughs> um, man. Yeah, just drop me a line. I'll, I'll do my research. So Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, man, well, look, I wish you all the very best. I hope, to, I, th- I hope things do sort of open back up and you can get the van out on the road. I love your philosophy with it. And uh, I think it'd be really cool to, to see how you get on in, in the, some of the, the races that you're looking to do over the next year or two. And, and all the best with the journey to... 2024 is i find it totally nuts that like that's already on your radar right 2024 you've got it you know world's next year has to you have to get that in and and that just it seems the way the world of the cycle of track cycling is is bonkers in that respect isn't it the whole olympic sort of four-year thing yeah it has to be and it's one of those things where it's like you know we would have never i i will tell you this when we were when the u.s was putting their plan together no one no one saw anybody going under 350 before the Olympic games. Yeah. So it, it like, 
you have to start thinking about the impossible pretty much three years out. And that's what kind of what makes the Olympics cool. It is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Particularly with the pursuit, just the, the, I don't know, just, the, just the numbers and the, and the improvement, uh, particularly in the last sort of few years, right. It's really gone up another level just in terms of both the aerodynamics and uh, what everyone's achieving. So yeah, who knows 2024, what people will be posting, what times, no, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a wild time. So, I mean, I I I want to see. I think Ghana's got a three fifty nine in them uh, at Worlds this year. Yeah, depending on the yeah. track, uh, it's in Turkmenistan. So I don't really know. I know it's going to be hot. It's got to be hot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know how fast it's going to be. I mean, it's a new track. So um, did you see the Jira yesterday? Yeah, I did. Uh, did yeah. I think, I think, How did he do that? <laughs> well, He's I, some machine, right? I think the articles are even better, um, like from Thomas DeGent's point of view, where he pretty much says that like he was definitely okay with Ghana winning, but he was not okay with whatever guy he was riding the breakaway with from Movistar. Um, who, who oh, I've seen that? What did he say? Yeah, yeah. So there's essentially like he's pretty much saying like, yeah, it was me. I forget the guy's name from Movistar and then Ghana. And it's those three, right? He was pretty much saying that that guy wouldn't work the entire time. And so, so the moment that Ghana attacked, like he was like, I'm not chasing it. And the guy's like, I'm not chasing it. And uh, yeah, and that's how you won. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, supposedly Ghana was getting dropped on the few of the climbs previous. Oh, so, really? so the fact that well, that he, happens. I mean, he's, he's what? He's 83 kilograms. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a unit. Unbelievable. He's too. He's really tall. Is he? Yeah. yeah, 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 totally insane. Cool, man. Look, we'll we'll put all your details in the show notes. Stay in touch, won't you? Will you let us know how you're progressing, and we'll oh, get you back on and have a chat in due course. But stay in ready contact. You look after yourself, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Always. Thanks so much, man. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, and more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.